Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Brian Sinek. Brian, are you ready to do this? I am, yes. Excellent. Let's do this. Brian is the owner of Car Sultants, a company focused on a hassle-free car shopping, car buying experience. We're definitely excited to have you on. Brian, tell us a little bit about your personal life and some more about your work. Well, I live in Scottsdale. Um, I've been here for uh, 39 years, so I'm almost a native, single, with one dog. And uh, But I was actually born in Detroit, even though I've been here so long. It's kind of relevant to my career because in Detroit, it's obviously car town or Motown. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, car dealerships are not open on Sundays. And I used to go look at cars with my father on Sundays. Uh, he used to tell me to avoid salesmen, <laughs> which is kind of what I do now for customers. <laughs> and this is going to be a silly question. Is that unique to, to Michigan, or are a lot of dealerships closed on Sundays all across the country? It really depends on the town rules or the city ordinances. Uh, for example, Tucson, even in our neighboring city, is closed on uh, Sundays. Okay. So, yeah. Got it. And that just depends on, on the city or the town and how they want to do it. Correct. I think what happened is once in Tucson, they tried opening on Sundays, one dealership, to be have more of a competitive advantage. Mm. And then all the other dealerships did the same, so they all agreed, let's just close on Sundays. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, certainly, car shopping strikes me as... I, I hate to say it, but somewhat of an antiquated process, and I think we're starting to see disruption in the space, like CarMax and companies like Carvana, and I think that the work that you do is certainly part of that disruption of changing the way that that people buy a car and removing away from what I think probably everybody at some point has gone through of spending an entire day at a car dealership and leaving excited that you got a new car, but sort of numb to the whole process. So... Do you see changes? I'm sure that in, in your career you've seen changes. What do you see for the future? There are definitely changes. I've been in the business 24 years and I've seen many changes. I mean, one of the big ones is the fact that people can carry the internet in their hand. Mm-hmm. And with that, all the information. So they can search on competitors' prices, they can search their trade-in values, they can search the history of the car with car facts. So there are a lot of changes that way. But even though there are so many changes, the typical person still goes to a car dealership, a lot of times just to look. I mean, they do consult the internet for information, most of them, but still, when it comes time to buy, the majority of people buy from a car dealer. So from your perspective, just tell us a little bit about how your process works, starting with how, how would you counsel somebody? What kind of criteria would, would, would you give them when they're thinking about buying a car? How do they pick a car? Well, I like to start with my buyers as early as possible, meaning the moment they think they want a new car is when I'd like to have a discussion with them. At that time, some of the people know what they want. They know the make and model, the brand, whereas others have no idea what they want, and that's fine with me, either one. So, whereas others that's you know, other car brokers, if you want to call me that, tend to do it a little differently. They say, uh, go out, look at cars, determine what you want, call me and I'll get you a better deal. Mm. I'm different in that way because I want my people to avoid 
as much time at the dealership as possible so they don't get stuck in those pitfalls and the hassles and all of the stories you hear where people at the dealers keep your keys and lock you in rooms <laughs> which truly happens sadly right yeah. and i laugh but that's not very funny at all so okay no. so i think that, that makes sense from my perspective is you know if you're going to work with a professional and why not start at the very beginning and i'm sure that you can coach people through that process so once they have a, a good sense of the car that they're interested in or the, the the automobile vehicle that they're interested in how do you start searching for a car in the age of the internet and hyper connectivity how, how do we get started with that i primarily do new cars and with new cars i don't do much searching because i kind of they're a commodity so they're all pretty much the same and i rely on a network of dealers that i have worked with before for my supply typically i just call somebody i know or text a lot of my business is done by texting and I will text you know the dealership and ask them if they have a car and get a price on it it's often as simple as that if they don't have a car yeah I do use the internet I do search um, there are a few websites I like to use um, that I'm sure most of your listeners use as well but for me they're my bread and butter nice and just for those folks that that maybe have never tried to search for a car online what what sites would you recommend that they that they check out? Okay, so if they're looking for a new vehicle, the website I like best because of the way it sorts its data is cars.com. A new one that's kind of getting some popularity that I use occasionally is Car Gurus. If they're looking for a used car, Craigslist is probably the best place to get a deal on a used car. Hmm. But you do have to be careful because of all the people out there that are trying to scam people with selling salvage titles, and selling cars that they just bought recently and they know nothing about. Again, lots of lots of pitfalls to, to potentially be aware of. So, and I, I don't know if this is a question that you can answer or not, but if I was looking to buy, let's just say, a new a new Ford Explorer and there were five Ford dealerships in my town, would a new Ford Explorer cost the same at every single one of them or would it potentially cost more or less and how does that work? Does a dealership set its own price? So it really depends. And Ford's interesting in that you brought up because it reminds you that there used to be like a one-price Ford store in, in Phoenix. Mm. So the one-price Ford stores, you would go and they would not negotiate at all. The price was one. And there are some one-price stores still around, but not many. And so at those dealerships, the price is non-negotiable. Um, I can think of a Toyota dealership actually at the moment in the Phoenix area that does not negotiate. They have a one price and that's it. Um, typically at that dealership, at the Toyota dealership, the prices are a little bit lower than the average person play, pays. So it's not a bad place to go. The Ford dealership back in its day, the prices were a little bit higher than the typical person paid. So I say typical. Well, my deals are not typical, so I negotiate below typical. So um, let me give you another example. Years ago, Saturn used to be a one-price uh, manufacturer. So all the cars were one price and there was no negotiating. And people would say to me, do you like Saturn? And I would say, I think the cars are not bad. However, I don't like their pricing structure because they allow for, a, let's say, a 8% markup or something like that it was. And typically, when I buy a car for my clients, there's no markup. So 8% is way too much. But if you're a bad negotiator, then those one-price alternatives are great. Um, to answer your original question on whether or not the prices would vary at five different Ford dealerships, 
The answer is they would somewhat. It really kind of depends. There is this manufacturer-suggested retail price, the window sticker, which those are the same at every dealership. But then there's an addendum price, which is the little sticker that goes next to it. And that's where the dealership tries to make its money on things like window tint, uh, could be desert protection or weather protection or uh, by-side moldings, door edge guards, and those prices vary dramatically. If you can see window tint for $200, you can see it for $500, and it's the same window tint. So the answer is yes, they do vary, but there is some similarity in some of the pricing. It's just complex. People are wary of salespeople, probably in in many different arenas, not just not just the world of cars. Do they have a reputation that they've earned and do they deserve or are we too tough on car sales? It's a little bit of both. Typically the, the normal car salesman is maybe not the person you want to trust with your assets. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them the code to your bank account or your PIN number okay. to your ATM card. <laughs> However, I often say that they're not as big a thief as they have a reputation for, but they're better salespeople than people give them credit for. Okay. They are very savvy at what they do. And if they are not, their manager is. And the way most dealerships are structured, you not only talk to the salesperson, but you talk to the manager before you leave. They won't let you leave without talking to a manager. And that manager is very skilled at what he does or she does. And um, mostly it's he's, very few she's in the car business. But yeah, so um, I think their reputation is well earned. And it's something to be cautious of. So words of advice in dealing with number one the salesperson but then also the manager okay so if someone's going to work without a broker such as myself i would recommend them they're just going to deal with the dealership themselves what i recommend is this they call before they go in there and visit and preferably they work with someone in internet sales or the fleet department a lot of people are unaware that the fleet department which will work with just about anybody people think the fleet department is designed and was, well, let me back up. The fleet department was designed to work with companies that buy large quantities of cars, maybe two or three or four at a time. However, in its common practice today, fleet departments deal with the public. In fact, they call it fleet tail, which is a combination of the word fleet and retail. So fleet tail. And those people can just make a phone call or walk in and ask to talk to someone in the fleet department. But again, I recommend phone calls first. The reason being is you have a lot more leverage when you're on the phone than you do when you're in front of the person. So that's where I recommend they get started with the telephone. I think that that certainly makes sense. Okay. So how best to, let's let's say that, that we did start with a phone call and then we go into the dealership. How best to, how best to negotiate a deal? If you're bringing in a trade, let's let, let's just go general and then maybe talk about if you actually have an existing automobile that you're interested in, either trading in or selling. There is an idea out there, somewhat of common knowledge, that, or people believe, a common belief, let's call it, that you shouldn't introduce your trade-in until after you've negotiated the price of the new car. I understand the logic to that, and I'm mixed. I mean, in some cases that might be best, but at the same time, just being upfront and saying, this is my deal, and I mean, this is my, I'm trading this car in, I'm doing this. I usually tell the, the dealership we're trading something in right away, partly because of time savings. And in my case, I know what to negotiate on the new car so it doesn't really 
confuse the issue. It's a complex situation. I mean, I guess that's why I have a job. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, but giving advice to your listeners, I would say, yeah, let them do whatever they're more comfortable with. If they're comfortable saying, hey, this is my trade-in, and I'm looking at buying that car over there, let them do it that way. Or if they want to just keep the trade secondary, they can do that too and negotiate the two of them separate. The dealership is going to try to combine the negotiations into one transaction because it is one transaction. And then what they're going to do is most people pay by payments and financing or leasing. So in all of those situations, the dealership wants to convert the buyer into negotiating over payments, not cash price. Because then they use logic like this or subpar logic, but they'll say, what do you pay for a cup of coffee these days? So for half of that, each day, you can have the car you want. <laughs> well, half of that cup of coffee, being let's say a cup of coffee is $5 at Starbucks, half of it being $2 for 30 days is $60 a month. So you think, oh, well, $60 a month, it's not that much, you know, it's less than I pay for a lot of things. Well, that $60 is $2,000 more profit in a lease, and it's uh, $5,000 more profit in a purchase on a five-year loan. Well, let's say, and on a purchase, that is about $3,000 more in the dealer's hand. Bottom line is, I mean, I would say negotiate on a cash price and then bring the financing separate. You can find a financial calculator on Google these days very easily, so work out your own payments. Right. If you can decide how much the, the automobile costs and if you're purchasing it, how many years, or if there's financing, let's say it costs $20,000 and you're going to pay that for four years, you can probably back into what the actual payment is versus letting them try to tell you what the payment is. I mean, in the end, they calculate the payment, but you should have a very good idea of what your payment is first. I mean, when I calculate mine, I, uh, or I do my deals, I calculate them, always calculate my own payments. You don't really need too many more variables than what the purchase price is, how long it's going to be, and what the interest rate is, right? You should be able to figure out that pretty close. Correct. On leasing, it's much more difficult. Leasing is important to note that leases are negotiable. You know, a lot of people think that leases are advertised at one price and there's no negotiation. That is not true at all. And one other, it's a little bit of a pet peeve and good friends of mine, intelligent people do this all the time. They'll say, oh, I saw this car advertised to lease at 199 a month or 129 a month or something low, but they don't stop and read the fine print. And if you read that fine print, it's always $3,000 down or $4,000 down plus, plus, plus. And when I say plus, 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 I mean plus the license plates, plus the document fee, plus any dealer fees, plus whatever else the dealership is adding on to that vehicle. This is certainly one scenario where reading the fine print is extremely important. Maybe not my iTunes agreement, but this one for sure. <laughs> Agreed. Excellent. Well, Brian, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? I'll go back to what I said earlier. Use the telephone. Don't go there in person. I would call around, or I guess another way these days in the advent of the internet is send emails. Contact some of the dealerships by email and send them emails. You know, pick out three or four dealerships, send them an email and see if they'll give you a price by email. But I do, there is a word of caution. Some of those prices they give you on email are not complete. 
they will sometimes leave out things just so they can be competitive in the email. And then when you get there, they add pricing on. It's still a business you got to be cautious with. Well, that is great stuff. I think that that definitely warrants a come on. Come on. So thank you very much for that, Brian. And thank you so much for coming on. Um, I do want to make sure that I mention that you are compensated, but you do not make any money unless you negotiate a deal that would have been better for the client than they would have gotten on their own. So it's a win-win for everybody. That's correct? That is correct. Excellent. If I can't save my client money, I'm not going to charge them, which has never happened. But uh, I really, I care more about saving them money than I do about making money. It might sound cheesy. It might sound not untrue. But I really care about getting my clients a good deal. I mean, I was a car dealer once upon a time, and I made more money doing that. But I chose to give that up to help people doing this just because I want to help people more than I want to make money. Excellent. And where can people learn more about you? I have a website. It's carsults.com. That's C-A-R-S-U-L-T-S.com. Carsults.com, short for my name, Carsultants. You can always Google Carsultants or me, Brian Sinek. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brian your appreciation, check out his website, and also share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Brian, and until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together.